0: Go with me, please, to the book of Genesis. We've been on a series for a few weeks now. We want to continue. And it's called The Blame Game. The Blame Game. Do you think it's important, these words? Genesis 3, God told Adam and Eve not to eat Of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Gave them all kind of trees. All kind of fruit. Said you can have all of it you want. Just not that one. Not that one. And the next thing you know. We see them out hanging around that one. And the enemy talking to them about that one. That's how he works. And they, um, they chose not to obey God, and they ate of the forbidden tree and fruit, and they died spiritually. Now, death is, is not ceasing to exist like much of the world believes. We've been talking about that on Sunday with the eternal life. Death is separation, whether you're talking about physical death or spiritual death. It's not ceasing to exist. Physical death is the spirit separating from the body. Well, you still exist. And spiritual death is your spirit being separated from God, who is life. So you can exist apart from God. You can't have life apart from God. And so that happened to them. And uh, in verse uh, 7, the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together, made themselves aprons. They tried to cover themselves, tried to cover the situation. And they heard the voice or sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So, Immediately when they fell, they tried to cover what had happened. They tried to hide what had happened. And this is the the characteristics of the devil. He's always trying to hide stuff. He's always trying to cover things and hide things. And you do not want to be like this. You don't want to get into this. This is the nature of the evil one. John 3 talks about this that people who are right, they come to the light. And they, they want the light. The light is the truth and life. But people that are not right, they hide. They don't want the light. They don't want it shining on their lives. And, you know, if you're trying to hide, you want to look at it real close. Why? Don't run from God. You can't hide anything from God. Run to Him. He already knows it. Does he already know it or not? He already knows it. So run to him and, and deal with it, and then you won't have to be ashamed. Why did they do this? Well, that wasn't the end when they couldn't hide it, and they couldn't cover it, because he came and called them out. And um, verse 11, he said, uh, who told you you were naked when Adam said, I heard you and I was afraid because I was naked? Well, that tells you why, Fear. And uh, he said, Did you eat of the tree? Verse 11, I commanded you not to eat. The man said, The woman that you gave me, she gave me of the tree. And I did eat. So when he couldn't hide it and cover it, then he tried to shift blame off of himself, tried to accuse. Instead of just accepting responsibility for his own mistaken sin, he tried to accuse and blame. Well, again, we see the nature of the devil. The devil is always trying to hide stuff, always trying to cover stuff and lie about it. And he is the perpetual accuser of the brethren. The scripture says he accuses us night and day before our God. Well, we don't want to let him use our mouth to accuse each other. You agree? holy ones don't accuse. People who live holily don't blame others and accuse others. Is it true or not? Humility takes responsibility for itself instead of blaming others. And love covers. Not interested in somebody else being judged. If it's wrong we're not going to tell them it's right. But we don't want to see them judged either. So holy people don't make accusations. Do You remember when they, they brought the woman accused of adultery and threw her down in front of Jesus and said, The law says stone her. What do you say? Well, after you know, he said what he did and they all left, he turned to the woman and he said, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? And she said, uh, No man, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Is Jesus holy? I mean, if anybody could have judged her, could have condemned her, if anybody could have said, I've never done that and I would never do that, it was him. But he didn't do that. Holy ones don't make accusations like the devil and don't blame others. We want to be like the master. Not like the enemy, not like the devil, he's the accuser, he's the blamer. Well we see Eve did the same thing, you know, accusing the serpent, and this has been going on since the beginning of man, at the fall of man, this accusation, this blaming, this accusing. the scripture said, if you cover your sins, you won't prosper that's proverbs twenty eight thirteen but if you'll confess and forsake them, you will have mercy. And 2 Peter 3.9, we've already been over this, I'm just reviewing a little bit, said God's not willing that any should perish. Well, what is the solution of not perishing? But that all should come to repentance. Repentance. Uh, I'll just say in, in some circles in recent times, repentance has been treated lightly and even some wrong things said about it. Repentance is one of the greatest things you'll ever hear about in your life. It's how you got saved, it's how you got born again. No repentance, no salvation. No repentance, no deliverance. No deliverance from perishing. Thank God for repentance. The Bible calls it a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. And uh, in order to repent, you have to be honest. You have to acknowledge that, you know, how, how are you going to receive forgiveness for something you won't even admit you did? Can you see the problem? And it's not about receiving condemnation, it's about being quick to acknowledge the truth. And if the truth is I messed up, I violated light, I did something I knew I shouldn't do, I didn't do something I knew I should do, I need to confess that. Not to get God to stop being mad at me, not to, not to get God to do something to justify me. Jesus has already taken care of that, He has. But just because he's taken care of that doesn't mean I've received it. Are you all with me, friends? And so being quick to acknowledge that I've messed up, that I've missed it. 1 John 1, 9, confess my sin. Being quick to do that. Again, it's not trying to appease God. He's already been appeased by what Jesus has done. But I've got to do something about my own heart. If I violated light, my own heart is condemning me and bothering me. Uh, and so I got guilt, or I got shame, or I got fear of punishment and judgment. How do I get rid of that? I need to confess. I mean, if I hadn't done anything wrong, there's nothing to receive for, about. Can you see this? You got to acknowledge that you missed it. You got to be honest If you haven't taken responsibility, have you repented? No. Did you hear that question? The answer is no. If you haven't taken responsibility for anything that you did, you haven't repented. Oh, but friend, the price has been paid, and there is a fountain filled with blood, and that blood never loses its power. Hallelujah. And he has paid the price for everything. But if that's all that forgiveness and righteousness and salvation is based on, then every one of the billions of people on the planet will be saved, no matter how much they blaspheme God or what kind of false gods they worship and serve, because he paid the price. But that's not true. I said, that's not true. Jesus said, it's not true. He said, there's a broad way. That's going off into destruction, and there are many on that path. And there's a narrow way. Well, why, how can that be if Jesus already paid the price for everybody's sins? Because not everybody has received it. You got to believe it. You got to receive it. And when you violate light and you sin as a believer, and your heart bothers you, How do you get your heart to quit bothering you? You you come to God. You acknowledge it. You confess it. You take responsibility, but you don't receive condemnation and live in shame for the next weeks or months. You immediately receive cleansing and washing and the righteousness of Christ. Amen. And if you believe that and you receive it, your heart will stop bothering you. Your conscience will be cleansed. Hallelujah. By the blood of the Lamb. Repentance is a gift. If you won't repent. If you refuse to acknowledge. Take responsibility when you've messed up. You're stuck. You're in a bad place. Because you can pretend everything's okay. But it's not okay. Your heart will continue to bother you. Even though the price has been paid, you're still not okay because you're pretending, you're hiding, you're covering, you're embracing a lie. Can you see this? And it'll just chew on you and chew on you. It'll interfere with your fellowship with God. He still loves you. He hasn't thrown you away. Your name's still in the Lamb's Book of Life, but it will mess with your fellowship with Him, and it'll mess with your fellowship with other people. And anybody who said that's not true... I don't know what Bible you're reading and I don't know what kind of life you're living because anybody that's gone any distance with the Lord knows what I'm talking about. If you'll be honest. You don't get anywhere playing games or pretending. One of the ways that um, the enemy tricks people into not repenting is by legalism and by being technical. We've already covered this and talked about it, but I'm going to look at it some more. Remember the man that came to Jesus and asked him some spiritual and scripture questions and, uh, about loving your neighbor as yourself? And you remember what he said afterwards? He said, yeah, but who's my neighbor? <laughs> and he doing this, he's trying to justify himself. Now, no doubt, let's examine this. Why would the man even say that? Why would he bring this up? Why would he make this an issue? Because his heart is bothering him about some things he should have done for his neighbors, people that he were around and close, but he, he yielded to his flesh. He didn't do it. And instead of just repenting, to God and to them, he's getting technical about, well, were they really my neighbor? Really my neighbor. And that's when Jesus told him about the good Samaritan. And of course, they thought Samaritans were bad. They didn't know they not have dealings with them. But Jesus showed him that this Samaritan was much more a neighbor to this man than a priest or a Levite was on that occasion, and he said, well, it, he was a neighbor. He said, well, you go and do likewise. Playing games, that's why part of the name of the series is The Blame Game. Because part of this is playing games about being legalistic, be, being uh, technical about it. We, we see that Saul did this. We, we already talked about this, but I'm leading up to another part. In 1 Samuel 15, God told the prophet Samuel to tell Saul he gave him a mission, a thing to do, and boy was he detailed about what he should do in this battle, and this thing went back for years of these people that had injured the people of God, and and it had come a reckoning time, and, and Saul did not do what the Lord told him to do. He spared all the good livestock and all the good stuff that God told him to completely eliminate and destroy. And so when Samuel finally came to meet him, Saul came out and said, We've done it. We've done the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, Well, what's all this livestock I hear? I hear cows lowing. I hear sheep bleeding. I I hear goats. And do you remember Saul's response? He said, uh, they, 1 Samuel 15, 15, he said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep. And they did it to give it to God. Now this is where that phrase came from. The Lord said through Samuel, does the Lord have as great pleasure in sacrifices as he does in obeying the Lord? He said to obey is better than sacrifice that's where that phrase came from and to hearken or to listen is better than the fat of many rams he said rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft and he said you know stubbornness is like idolatry this is bad stuff this you know changing what god said and just doing it your way and and, and ignoring and Uh, That is rebellion. It's the nature of the enemy. And then when you get caught at it, refusing to repent and blaming other people and making excuses. Everybody say excuses. Excuses and exemptions. Have you noticed folks that always have an excuse? Why? (laughs) Just look straight ahead. Why, Why they didn't Do what they should have done are folks that are always the exception to the rule. Yeah, I know that's the rules, but you know, it's just me. And I'm just doing this for right now. So they are, in their mind, an exception to the rule, and everybody should just understand it. Those rules are for other people. That's a real issue. That's that's devilish. That's exactly what he thinks. No rules are for him. And nothing is his fault. He's the most proud, most blaming, accusing being you'll ever hear anything about. I assure you, nothing that is happening to him in his future, in his mind, is his fault. It's all God's fault. And our fault. And somebody else's. It's the other angel's fault. It's the demon's fault. I assure you, the devil cannot, will not ever be saved. You know why? Why? He will never repent. That's why he can't be saved and won't be saved. Have you read the back of the book? Have you read Revelation? Did you see that there's coming a time when he's going to be bound for a thousand years, chained and thrown into a pit? And so he'll have a millennia to think about what he's done. And have you read what happens as soon as he's let out? Yep. He's going to be let out for just a little while. You know what? The first thing he does, he goes and stirs up a global rebellion yeah. against God. What, what are we seeing? And I think some of these things is just for God to show us. Yeah. It wouldn't matter how many millennia he had, it wouldn't matter how many millions of opportunities he had, he is never going to take any responsibility for his own sins and rebellion. He will never repent. Amen. So he will not be saved. He cannot be saved. This is the absolute worst place anybody, demon, angel, human being, devil, anybody, any being could ever get in is becoming so rebellious and stubborn that you won't repent. Stiffening your neck and hardening your heart and refusing to listen, refusing to be corrected. That is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. I know that's a big statement. Why? Because anything else God can fix. So he can fix that too. The only way he could fix that is to override your will. And he's not going to do that. The only way he could fix that is to control you. He's not going to do that. So that's a place where not even God can help you. Isn't that when you agree that's the worst place you could ever be in? And whose fault is it? Who's preventing the devil from repenting? Who's preventing human beings? There are billions of them on the planet right now. They wouldn't acknowledge that God is real if you held a gun to their head. They are so adamant. They are so full of venom against God, against us. What's amazing is in good times and easy times, a lot of these people, you couldn't even get them to acknowledge that God exists and that he's real. But get some bad times hit, And they're mad at the God they say doesn't exist. Blaming him. That is the nature of the evil one. And that is being unrepentant, which means you are not delivered from perishing. That's how you perish. That's how you go down. That's how you're destroyed. But see what happened with Saul. Let me just fast forward a little bit. This was Saul's undoing. He never recovered from this. He lost his place as king. He lost his kingdom. He lost his peace. He lost his sanity. He lost his family. He lost his life. He died young. He died wrong. You know why? Would not repent. Would not. And even though at the end of this chapter. He said some things that sounded like repentance. But you can tell it wasn't. You can even say the right words. But it's always about the heart. Isn't it? And if it's really from the heart. You'll see changes in the life. But notice what he said. He said they. Everybody say they. And then he said the people. Them. You know the people. They. have you ever heard this? Well, you know how people, the people, them, they. Watch out when you start using those words yourself. You need to sneak up behind yourself and listen. When you start talking about yeah, but yeah, but they, yeah, but he, yeah, but she, yeah, but yeah, but then the people, yeah, but are you blaming them for your problems? Are you refusing to accept responsibility for what you've done? When's the last time anybody heard you say out loud, it's entirely my fault. Nobody else's. It's my responsibility. I messed up. I caused the problem. When's the last time somebody heard you say that? If it's been a long time, that's a problem because we know you haven't gone a long time and never made any mistake. you you with me or not? Yes. We don't want to be quick to receive condemnation. We've already talked about that. We do want to be quick to acknowledge the truth and be honest. And we never want to embrace a lie and try to hide and try to cover or try to blame somebody else. Go with me please to the book of Exodus, I believe it is. 32. And I did all that to get you here. Before you read this, let me me read you this other thing here that the Lord said in Ezekiel. Man, I like this. There are so many rich things. If you ignore your Old Testament, you do so at your own loss because there's so much revealed in here about the character of God. And who he is. And he never changes. Ever. Our access to him has changed. But he, he's the same. And listen to what he said. In Ezekiel. Talking to his people who had been so rebellious. And who had just done everything. Except obey him. And judgment was about to come on them. And listen to what he says. In 1823. He told them through the prophet. All these bad things are going to happen. But then he pled with them to repent he said in verse 23 have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die says the Lord God and that he should uh, not that he should return from his ways and live does God get any pleasure out of people being destroyed none anybody that that inferred that he does they don't know him he's a good God yes. is he? He's love itself. He's kindness and compassion itself. And anything that ever, you know, anybody implied, well, how can a good God do this? Or how can a good God let this happen? You don't know the whole story. You don't know what you're talking about. I assure you, the scripture is true when it said, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. That you might be justified when you are condemned or judged. It's going to be seen. Most of it's not seen in this life. But past this life, it'll be seen and revealed how merciful God was. How kind he was. How good he was. And people that railed at him. And people that shouted and accused him and blasphemed him are going to be silenced. They're going to see what really happened, and why it happened, and their mouths will be shut. And everybody will acknowledge the Lord was more gracious and merciful than we would have ever mashed him to be. He was so kind. But people were so rebellious, and so stubborn, and so disobedient, and absolutely refused to believe him, and listen to him, and obey him. And if you do that, long enough, destruction comes. But he is good. He said, do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? Verse 30, therefore, I'll judge you, O house of Israel, every one according to his ways, says the Lord. Repent. Turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Is he wanting to save them even yet? Now, come on, let me give you a little snapshot of this. They are burning babies in the fire to false gods. They are doing abominable things. And you know what he's saying? I still don't want to see you destroyed. Would you please repent? This is the Almighty. Would you please repent? Why? So I can stop this. When people in in blasphemy and arrogance say, "Well, well, how can a good God allow all these things? You're asking the wrong question. You don't understand anything. The question is, why hasn't he been able to protect you from all of it? I assure you that's his will. He's a good God. It's not his fault. It comes back to the defiance and rebellion of man and the work of the evil one. That's why they're stealing and killing and destroying. God has been merciful to our country. I know we've had some problems. I assure you, it could have been far, far worse. And our country's got a lot of problems. We've got people that openly worship idols in our country. They worship the devil. How many innocent babies have been slaughtered? I mean, on and on and on and on. And yet, for the church's sake, for his mercy's sake, for his grace's sake, he said, if you'll call on me, if my people. Even if other people are not doing it, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and acknowledge and admit. Read the read the prayer of Daniel sometime. Man, Daniel repented on behalf of his nation. He wasn't acting like nothing wrong had been done that would have opened the door and allowed these things. He acknowledged it. He repented. He said he, he said, Lord, You are righteous. And we are not. We've done this and we've done that and we've done the other. Why? The Lord said, don't give the devil any place. He's always looking to steal, kill, and destroy. Oh, but God is merciful. And even when people have been the most defiant and rebellious, what does he say? Even when he's warning for the 50th time, if you don't change, this is going to happen. Still he's saying... Repent, repent, so we can stop this. Repent, so we can prevent this. If you'll change in your heart, I can change what's going to happen. God is saying, "Who?" He said, "Cast away your transgressions, where where you've transgressed. Make you a new heart." And a new spirit. For why will you die. O house of Israel. Verse 32. For I have no pleasure. He says it again. He says it some three times through here. I have no pleasure in the death of him that dies. Says the Lord God. Wherefore turn yourselves. In other words repent. And you'll live. Repent. And you'll live. Hallelujah. You know what. we had an instructor at Ramah back years ago, Brother Mel Piper, and uh, he taught us on, uh, it was some kind of Old Testament study, and we were looking at, you know, judgment after judgment after judgment, and he just paused because there were little tense in there one day, and he said, let me give you some advice. No matter what, something, how something seems to you, you understand it, he says, always stay on God's side. That is some excellent advice. What? That, that don't seem right to me. God is right. Yes. Everything he does, everything he doesn't do. Everything he does, everything he allows. He is completely righteous, fair, good, and merciful and compassionate. And if it doesn't seem like that to you, there's something wrong with you. That's right. Something wrong with how you see things. It just means you don't know much. How many you could acknowledge that you've been alive about half a thimble's worth and he is the Ancient of Days and knows everything? That you, there's some things you might not understand and see. But when we do see that we've missed it, tell me how we avoid problems, how we avoid giving the enemy access, how we avoid destruction. If you'll judge yourself, New Testament scripture, if you'll judge yourself, he's writing to the church at Corinth. If you'll judge yourself, tell me some of the sweetest words you ever heard in your life. You won't be judged. Someone says, well, you you sowed it. You're going to have to reap it. Not if you'll repent and accept that Jesus reaped it for you. You won't have to reap it, even though you sowed it. But you I made my bed hard, I'm just going to have to lay in it. Not if Jesus made you a nice bed. Right. And you can say, no, I'm going to sleep in Jesus' bed. I'm not going to stay in that old hard bed that I made. He laid on the hard bed when he went to the cross. He paid the price. He reaped what we sowed. But if you won't repent, you'll have to reap. Even though it's already been taken care of. Aren't you glad the Lord helped you to see to come to him? Okay, back to Exodus. Man, if I don't quit taking these side journeys, we'll need another hour. Exodus 32, notice what happened here because this is is such such a picture of what we're talking about. God doesn't give, is not able to manifest his grace to everyone. Do you remember James says he resists the proud? Remember that? But gives grace to the humble. Does everyone experience and enjoy the grace of God? No, they do not. We talked about Esau and how he the Bible said he failed of the grace of God, came short of the grace of God. Why? He wouldn't repent. Same sad story. Who gets the grace? The humble, not the proud. Well, That's one of the characteristics of pride is being ashamed, not wanting to take responsibility, wanting to hide, wanting to blame somebody else. But one of the biggest characteristics of humility, one of the biggest, is honesty. Honesty. And the more honest you are with God and, and with people, and the quicker you are to act on that and express it, the quicker grace flows to you. Did you hear that, child of God? The quicker you are to humble yourself and be honest, the quicker grace manifests. Because it's here. It's bought and paid for. It's available, but you don't enjoy it just because it's available. But the moment, I don't care how grievously you've messed up, it is amazing what God will forgive If you'll repent. I mean it's it's astonishing. Is what it is. It's astonishing. How evil. Somebody can be. And if they really. From their heart repent. God will wash them. And cleanse them. And take them in his arms. It's astounding. What he'll forgive. And cleanse and wash. But you got to. You know, how you going to receive forgiveness? You won't even admit you did anything. Got to repent. The quicker. This is actually an answer to some situations and to why some things are taking so long. Why have some things taken so long? In many situations, it's because people. Have taken so long to repent. It's not that God wants it to be delayed. It's just you don't get in the receiving mode. In uh, Exodus 32. Moses. Well God spoke to the people. Out of the fire on the mountain. This is one of the most amazing. Spectacular. Manifestations. Manifestations of spirit and God that have happened on the planet. They saw the fire of God. They heard this is not they picked it up in their spirit. They heard the audible voice of God speaking off the mountain. And it was so loud and it scared them so bad that they asked Moses, please, you go up and talk to him. Because if he speaks to us again, we think we're going to die. (laughs) And so he did. And that time he was up there with God 40 days and nights. So what, you know, a month and a half or so, less than two months. And uh, it says, verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount... The people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said to him up make us gods. You know the first of the ten commandments. Number one. Anybody know? That's what God spoke out of the fire. On the mountain <laughs> you're going to see something again here. The tree the tree the lord told him not to eat of that's the one you see them hanging around that's the one you see the devil talk well the first commandment god told him not to do moses been gone less than 2 months and the consensus is what we need to do is make us some new gods let me just read it to you exodus 20 God spoke the words. He said, I'm the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven image or likeness of anything that's in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth, and you shall not bow down yourself to them or serve them. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. They heard that less than two months ago. And their consensus and response was, whatever the Lord says, we will do it. In less than two months, (laughs) they said, uh, they get a hold of Aaron, and they said, you need to get up and make us some gods that will go before us. For as for this Moses, that's disrespectful, this guy. The man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. But can't we give him a few more days and find out? I mean, you don't find a Moses on every block. There ain't been another Moses before our since. But in less than two months, they're ready to forget him and forget God. This just, I mean, if it wasn't the Bible, you'd you'd have a hard time believing it. So Aaron said to him, okay, huh, what? Here's what you do. Break off all your gold earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So I guess wearing earrings was a big deal back then and gold. Men wore them. Sons wore them, daughters wore them, wives wore them. So all the people, I mean, any other time, if you tried to get their jewelry, they'd probably fight you, right? But we see the enemy's in this. And everybody, just volunteers go, sure, yeah, take mine. Take my gold earrings. Yeah, I have mine too. And they brought them to Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with the graving tool I want you to remember all this now. He melted it down and he got a form. Then he got an engraving tool and he made it into a molten calf. And the people saw it and they all said, these are your gods, oh Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Now he ain't talking about the Lord God. He's talking about their new Lord. Lord Calf. (laughs) And they rose up early on the morning. And they offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink. And they rose up to play. They are partying. And the Lord said to Moses... Go get you down for your people that you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. (laughs) God has had it with them. He really, really has. He he don't want to claim them anymore. He really wants to be done with them. He said, uh, you need to get down from here because your people that you brought They've corrupted themselves and uh, they have turned aside quickly, less than two months out of the way that I commanded them. They made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and they said these be your gods, O Israel, which have brought you up out of the land of Egypt. You reckon they thought he couldn't hear them on the mountain? With Moses, I, I don't know. And the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people and behold it is a stiff necked people. That's stubborn. There is nothing good about being stubborn. Defiant, disrespectful, nothing good about it. Stiff necked people. Now therefore, let me alone. Why would he say that? He knows he's going to intercede for him yeah. before he ever says this. Yes, yes. So he's telling him ahead of time, just leave me alone. <laughs> that my wrath may wax hot against them and I may consume them and I'll make of you a great nation. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. God is saying, I can do this another way. Yeah. Yeah. They want to act like this. Yeah. They want to reject me. Yeah. I'll use somebody else. I can do this another way. In fact, how is he going to do it with them? Just one man, Moses, he wouldn't care. If Moses and his wife had a baby that night and it took a century to put another group together, how long is that for God? Two and a half hours. God time. Or a couple of centuries. No problem. He said, Moses, I like you. You like me. You don't make gold calves. And uh, let's just start over, bud, huh? I I will just take you and your descendants, and we'll get a better group. Because this group, mm, they will not listen. That's still the number one problem in the earth. Above everything else. Because anything else, God can fix. He can heal anything. He can fix anything. Any kind of miracle. And so uh, Moses besought him. He pled. Verse 13, remember Abraham and Isaac. Verse 14, and the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do to his people. God repented. What does that mean? He changed. Not that he needed to. But because Moses asked him to, and Moses is his covenant friend and partner, against his own feelings, at the moment, he said, okay. You know, everything's not set in stone. We really do interact with God, and our prayers can change big things. Big things. Big things. I've prayed for situations before i I'm, I'm thinking one time in particular this person had just man they went off the deep end the wrong way, and I knew it had been years they'd been going the wrong way, and I knew if something didn't happen, they weren't going to miss destruction forever and I asked the Lord I said, Lord, I know you know if they just experience what they've done it's going to be devastating for them. I ask you. To give them another opportunity. I ask you. And and this prayer I've prayed for people over and over again. The one we've talked about in Timothy. Lord I ask you to give them repentance. To the acknowledging of the truth. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the enemy. Part of that has to do with that they may come to themselves. And wake up. And realize where they are and what's going on. I'm asking you. And I know he had done it many times before, but I'm asking you to do it again. He spoke to me. I don't mean to heard a voice, but inside so clearly he said, uh, I'm going to do that just because you asked me to. Yeah. Somebody say glory to, glory to God. Is that him or not? Yes. I mean, he did that with Abraham. He did that with Moses. He did that with numerous of the prophets. He, he's done it over and over again. That's just who he is. He's so merciful. He's so kind. Our prayers, if we do it from a right heart in faith, they can make giant changes. They can affect big changes. So God said, Okay, all right, we won't start over with you. But it was a great offer. (laughs) And I think in just a few hours, you know, it was good that God didn't ask him a few hours later. Because God had seen what they were doing. Moses hadn't seen it. He didn't know how bad it was. So it's probably good. No, I know it was good. That he prayed and talked to God before he saw it. And the Bible said that, uh, verse 15, Moses turned and he went down the mountain and had the two tablets of testimony in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides, on one side. The tables were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God. This is supernatural. God created personally these tables. And he engraved them personally. He wrote on them. I don't know if it was a laser or whatever he did. But this is amazing. And Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted. He said to Moses, there's noise of war in the camp. He said, no, no. It's not somebody shouting for mastery or the voice of being overcome. They're singing. And it wasn't good singing either. They were singing. they're, They're partying in a bad way. It came to pass as soon as he came near to the camp, he saw the calf. And he saw the dancing. They were dancing in worship to the calf. And Moses' anger waxed hot. And he threw the tables out of his hands and broke them beneath the mount. Woo. And he took the calf that they had made. I reckon they were shocked to see him, huh? They're like, It's Moses. I reckon the music stopped. And the dancing. He's back. He took the gold calf, he burned it with fire, he ground it to powder, he put it in the water. And made him drink it. You want to go, calf? Here. He made him drink it. <laughs> and uh, verse 21. Now, here, here's what I was working up to. Moses said to Aaron. You reckon Aaron was surprised to see him too, or and probably wasn't too happy to see him in some ways. He said, "What did this people do to you?" That you have brought so great a sin upon them. What could they have done to cause you to be involved with this? Keep reading. Go to the next one. Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. You know the people. (laughs) There they are again, the people. You, You know the people. You know how they are—that they're, they're set on mischief. You know how they are. They said, "Make us some gods, which will go before us." First, for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. And I said, "Well, if you got some gold, break it off." They gave it to me. I threw it in the fire. And out came this calf. (laughs) What? Now, that's why I took the time to read the other part. We know what happened. It was Aaron's idea to get the gold earrings. Aaron melted it all down. He made a mold, a rough cast. He took an engraving tool. He's the one did the fine sculptor work on it. He's the one built the altar for it. He's the one told them tomorrow's the big day. But listen to what fear and pride is doing to him. He's saying, yeah, yeah, you know, man, these people are crazy. They're crazy. You know how they are. And they just all came down on me and I said, well, hey, hey okay, okay, if you got some gold, give it to me." And and I just threw it in the fire. And man, if his calf didn't just come out of the fire. So what could I do? <laughs> is this repenting? No. People who got, no. What is this? He's blaming the people. And now he's blaming some kind of supernatural event. That happened in the fire. Some mysterious It just came out. (laughs) Now you're laughing, but uh, have you ever heard this? It just happened. Or I don't know what happened. I was there and we were talking and next thing you know it just happened. You're not repenting. Mm -hmm. You're playing games. Yeah, but you know, my friends or or my spouse, or our mom, and them, the pastor, and them—they didn't have no time for me, and, and, and I was hurting, and they knew I needed help, and they wouldn't—they wouldn't talk to me, and and then next thing you know, you know, Joe showed up, <laughs> and we were just talking, having fun. Next thing you know, I was high and drunk. I—I don't, I don't know what happened. I just—I—I I, I sat down, and this—these drugs were in my hand. I just. Or, you know, I got mad and next thing you know, they were in the floor and I had blood on my fist. It just, you know, I didn't mean for it to happen. You haven't repented either and you won't get help and grace as long as you keep playing games and lying and being, come on, can you see the problem here? This is how the devil works, always trying to be technical, always trying to be legalistic and and, and, and then lying and hiding and and shading. Even if they say the right words, they are not repenting and they won't get help. They won't get grace. You know another big thing that you see here? Aaron didn't do well without Moses. Moses you see the influence and the stabilizing force that Moses was in his life because as soon as Moses is not there I mean it hadn't been 2 months and Aaron is not strong enough in himself to stand up and say no this is not right he gets sucked in to the you know rebellion and Junk of the people. Friend, we should thank God every day for our godly influences. If you will go and stay where God sends you, and you will stay hooked and under the godly influences he's put in your life, there's safety there. There's protection there. And you can imagine year after year and decade after decade if you stay you can imagine, well man you know, I, I'm just rocking through life here because I'm so strong and you, you don't realize how much of their influence is helping you yep. until you're pulled out of it and away from it and removed from it and then we find out how much faith you have and how strong you are and a lot of times it ain't good. Amen. You'd have thought Aaron would have been pretty strong. He was there with Moses and all those miracles with Pharaoh. He was the mouthpiece. Right? He's seen the fire. He's seen the lightning. He's seen the glory. He's been there. But come to find out it was Moses whose faith was a stabilizing factor. That's right. Can you see that? This is why the devil's always trying to separate you from where you're supposed to be and from the people you're supposed to be around. Why? Because he knows that, you know, in many cases, you're not as strong as you think you are. And if he can separate you off from them, and even though you might do okay for a few months, it turns into a couple years, three years, five years, you're not getting fed, you're not around the influences, you're not in, in the environment. So many fall. Go where you're sent. Stay where you're stationed. No matter what the devil tries to do, do not let him separate you from those that God's put in your life that are the godly influences, the righteous influences, the stabilizing, the environment. I, Phyllis and I thank God so much. You know, God dealt with us to leave home. We'd never left home before and go out to Broken Arrow. We didn't know where it was. And people were trying to tell us, do you have to do that? And we didn't know that we had to, but in our heart we knew we had to. And we were in a cocoon of faith with some of the strongest faith people on the planet for 20 years. Oh, somebody say glory to God. It changed us. It changed us, and in that time we grew, uh, we got to know God for ourselves. hallelujah, strong enough that, you know, now the Hagen seniors, they're both in heaven, but now Phyllis and I are still in the ministry, but we're not folding at every little thing, hallelujah. because we have come to know him for ourselves, and now he's having us to be that stabilizing factor in other people's lives, well that's his will for you too. Yes, it is. For you to become strong and become that strength right. and that influence for God right. and help create that environment yes. in your home, in your workplace, yes. in your business, everywhere you go. When you walk in, Jesus should walk in. That's right. The Spirit of God should come in. Yes. Can you say amen? amen? Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God. Go to Psalm 32 in closing, I think. The Lord's helping us. He is helping us. The book of Jonah, you go to Psalms, now I'm just talking about it. But the book of Jonah, it's just four little chapters there too, right? Isn't it? I think. Short little book. And the whole thing's about repentance. The whole thing. Job, we already talked about this, 42 chapters. And the breakthrough, the miracle happened when Job repented. We see that the devil starts off in Job, the book of Job, accusing Job. Then Job's three friends come and accused Job Job accused God of being unjust and being unfair and for all this time it just got worse and worse and worse man it was a terrible ordeal some scholars speculate that it happened over a period of eight months maybe a year I don't know that we know but it wasn't his whole life but it was a bad year It was a really bad year. And the problem that made it bad and unchangeable is that Job wouldn't repent. He was a good man. He was a righteous man in so many ways. But read it carefully and you'll see. He said a lot of unkind things about God. He challenged God. He wanted God to come talk to him so he could plead his case with him and demand of him what he had ever done to deserve any of this. He accused God of being unfair, unjust. Well, God showed up in a whirlwind. And he spoke to him and asked him some questions that he knew none of the answers to. And basically saying, if you don't understand any of that, how are you going to judge me about my judgments and these kind of things? And the Bible said Job repented. He said, I repent. And the moment he did, that's when the breakthrough came. Oh, come on, can you see this? For those 40-some chapters, it's just pain and suffering. But the moment he genuinely, he quit judging God, he quit blaming God. Is anybody listening? The moment he stopped blaming God and repented, breakthrough, breakthrough. The enemy's junk stopped. He was delivered from the disease. He was healed. He was restored to his friends, to his family. His fortunes were restored. He got twice what he lost. When does the breakthrough happen? When you repent and believe. When you humble yourself and believe, yield yourself to God. Well, what if you're slow to repent? then things are going to be slow to change. Job's breakthrough came the moment he genuinely, he quit blaming God and he repented. Notice in Psalm 32, you'll see this. Psalm 32, verse one. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Somebody say amen. amen. Whose sin is covered. Now that's Old Testament. New Testament, whose sin is washed away. Keep going. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputes not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. The empowered state is the cleansed, forgiven, right fellowship state. Verse 3, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. That sounds like Job, don't it? He used some of this kind of language. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. And then when when did the breakthrough come? I acknowledged my sin to you. My iniquity have I not hid. I said, I'll confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this shall everyone that is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh to him. As long as he was quiet, as long as he hid, as long as he covered it just got worse. Come on, can you see that picture here? It just got worse. It got worse. That's what happened with Jonah. Jonah, God gave him a clear directive. Go preach to Nineveh. Told him exactly what to say. And he took off the other way. You know he's not doing good in fellowship. Then he gets on a boat with a bunch of heathens. How fun is that? Then they get in a storm. Worst storm ever, any of them ever seen. It's so bad, everybody's sure they're going to die. Then he tells them what happened. And they throw him overboard. Is it going from bad to worse? Come on, help me out. Why? Why does it keep getting worse? He's running from God. He's trying to get away from his call. He's trying to hide and cover what he should be doing. He won't acknowledge it. He won't admit it. So he gets thrown overboard in a storm in the ocean. And you think it couldn't get any worse. But it does. (laughs) He don't just drown and it's over. Something swallows him. How awful must it have been inside the digestive system of some giant marine animal. Dark? You ain't seen dark. Till you're inside the stomach of something way under the ocean. He said the seaweeds were wrapped around my head. Smell? but you know when his breakthrough came, come on, help me out. Have you read it? He repented. Is there anywhere too low, too awful, too dark for God to hear you when you repent? Is there anything too bad for him to get you out of? He repented. He said, God, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have run from you. I'll go, I'll go. And so God spoke to this this animal and he cruised up to the beach and just vomited him up now how unpleasant was that (laughs) on the beach towards Nineveh I just go through that to say as long as he wouldn't acknowledge what he's doing as long as he's stubborn and won't repent it got worse and then it got worse And then it got worse. And then when you thought it couldn't get worse, it got worse. But in Jonah's language, from the belly of hell. Actually, Jonah in the belly of that animal is a type of Jesus in hell. It was awful. But you can't get out of God's sight. And you can't get too stinky. (laughs) And too wrapped up and too confused and too messed up. If you, or is anybody in the Holy Spirit say anything? If you will fall on your knees and humble your heart and quit playing games and quit trying to blame the people and tell stupid stories about it just happened and this calf just came out. If you'll get real and get honest and get genuine and repent, he will hear He knows when you're through playing games. He knows. And he hears and he goes, okay, finally, finally. And that's when miracles are going to start happening. Come on, can you see that? Breakthroughs, deliverance, healing. You're going to come out, you're going to come out quick. You're going to come up, you're going to come up quickly. But why do a lot of things take so long because so many are so hard headed and just will just put it off till tomorrow and a lot of folks they won't repent until it gets really bad and some folks won't repent no matter how bad it ever gets if you're smart and I pastor smart people oh you should have said strong amen I, I I, I don't pastor a bunch of dummies. I pastor some intelligent, bright, sharp, good looking, very rich, major blessing people and smart people. When they miss it, they don't wait till tonight. They don't wait till tomorrow. They don't play games. They don't blame other people. They run not from God. They run to God and they admit it. They humble themselves. They don't hide anything. They admit it. And when they need to repent to people, they repent to people. They come and say, they don't make excuses. They come and say, I I shouldn't have talked like that to you. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And you don't then mess up a good repentance by saying, but it's because of this, because of, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's my fault. Yeah. I, messed it I messed it up. And and, and there's no excuse. Um, I've asked God to forgive me. I made it right with him. Uh, of course, it's up to them if they want to forgive. They don't have to forgive. Right, right, right. But I'm repenting. I'm not making any excuses. Friend, the moment You genuinely humble yourself and get honest and repent. I'm telling you, grace flows. God gives His grace to the humble. It'll flow to you. People that might have been so mad, they just want to knock you in the head the hour before. They'll look at you and something will come over them. And they'll soften. Why? Grace is working for you. People... That might have told you, no, not ever, don't ask me again. Grace will come on them. Their heart will change. The way they see you will change. But as long as you play games, don't expect any favor. As long as you hide and cover and lie, don't expect any help. It's just not how it works. The grace of God has got us this far. It'll get us the rest of the way.